Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. But you already know that if you're a tried and true member of hashtag Gamble On Nation. Uh, <laughs> since we last spoke to you, one member of Gamble On Nation, our interview guest two weeks ago, John Sarabian, won first place in a daily fantasy tournament for $100,000. So congrats to John. Uh, he hasn't yet publicly admitted that he owes it all to us and to the clarity he achieved after appearing on our podcast. But it's fair to assume we're largely responsible for his success, right, John? Oh, absolutely, Eric. You know, I think that him watching me fumbling around with connecting my new camera to my <laughs> laptop as we warmed up for the for the uh, interview session, it was probably kind of the tension reliever that John needed to open his mind to winning this contest. I, I think unintentional slapstick is the best slapstick. Um, and, and if we're going for it, I'd like to think that Jeopardy! James' success was mm. spurred by the knowledge that we'd likely beg him to come on our podcast as a special <laughs> guest if he did well on a TV show. So... Uh, that worked out for him and for us, I would say. There you go. I like the way that you didn't screw up the timelines there, because as you mentioned him, I was starting to think, well, it was all recorded before he came on our podcast. But you're right that if he had in his mind the potential to come on our podcast, and mm-hmm. that's what motivated him. Yeah, it, it adds up. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going with that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, it would certainly be cool if there's an opposite of the Sports Illustrated curse or the Madden curse, mm-hmm. and it's the Gamble mm-hmm. on bump. Uh, so so hopefully Sarabian is the first of many guests to get that bump. And hopefully it even extends to listeners. Uh, and speaking of which, thank you to everyone for joining us for episode number 57 of Gamble On, not sponsored by Heinz, although it should be. If you missed any of our previous 56 episodes, they're all available on SoundCloud and on iTunes and the Apple Podcast app. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Yeah, and Eric, coming up a little later on the show, we're going to be joined by Las Vegas-based writer, podcaster, and host of SB Nation Radio's Pushing the Odds, Matt Peralt. Uh, he's going to talk football, gambling, media, and more. But first, it's been yet another busy news week in the world of gambling, so let's get to it. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. Gambling. 
Pennsylvania August revenue numbers are in, and you're not going to believe this, John, but FanDuel Sportsbook is off to a pretty good start. In its first full month of operation, FanDuel moved to the front of the pack with $35.3 million in handle and $2.9 million in revenue, bumping Sugar House with $25 million in handle and $1.7 million in revenue to second place. Uh, Parks, meanwhile, put up very disappointing numbers, just $6 million in online handle last month, fourth place out of the four mobile sports books. Uh, in total, $83.2 million was wagered online, good for 76% of the state's total sports betting handle, as Pennsylvania closes in on those 80% plus numbers that New Jersey has been posting all year. Meanwhile, the PGCB released online casino numbers for the month as well, and the three online sites in the state combined for $111.8 million in handle and $3.4 million in revenue. A notable detail there is that the game selection is still very limited, and Parks, which has the best of a bad group of online blackjack options, was number one in online casino handle because it crushed the competition in online table games handle. Uh, I'll also mention that Iowa's numbers for the first partial month of sports betting are in, and in 17 days in August, retail and online sports books combined for $8.6 million in handle. Nothing to get too excited about yet. Uh, John, which of these various numbers stands out to you? Well, I guess the uh, the uh, revenue for online casino is lower than I thought, but um, rather than the numbers, I, I think your your mention of game selection is still very limited. Jumps out out of me more than any of the numbers, really. Um, mm-hmm. Every month that Pennsylvania regulators dithered meant lost tax revenue for the state over the past year. Uh, and even when they finally get going, some of the operators now seem kind of slow out of the gate. Um, why would no one have a quality online blackjack platform by now in Pennsylvania? Um, I would just say you Keystone staters are a little weird sometimes. <laughs> you're, you're not directing that at me, of course. You're talking uh, about the p- the PGCB types. Uh, or no, all Keystone a- staters? Uh, well, you guys, uh, th- these are the people you chose. <laughs> I didn't. Cho- I was. I was born here, but okay, fine. <laughs> I, I did. I did cho- choose to move back here, I suppose. But yeah, the same thing that that stood out to you is actually what stood out most to me. Uh, that. You know, the Pennsylvania online gaming market is obviously very far from maturity. Even New Jersey hasn't quite reached full maturity yet, I don't think, although it's close. Uh, Pennsylvania is just learning to crawl at this point. Uh, When online poker starts, which should be in the next couple of weeks, supposedly, um, (laughs) that figures to bring in some new players who then spill over into the online casinos. But the, the main thing is adding more sites and adding more games. The fact that these online casinos started with almost no games other than slots was disappointing, but understandable. You know, they're trying to get up and running and we were told they would add more games as they went along, but eh, they've been going along for like two months now and there are almost no new games. And, and I'm not sure why that is. I'm not sure why Sugar House still doesn't have blackjack at all uh, in New Jersey, uh, which uh, apparently is uh, better than the Keystone state, at least with regard to this sort of stuff. Uh, just about any table game, I can find in a casino, I can find online. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm not mad about it as a player. Uh, I, I do want online poker to come to Pennsylvania sooner rather than later, mm-hmm. but it's probably f- better for me if there is no cheap blackjack or, or ultimate hold'em or any of those <laughs> games. Um, but just in terms of handle and revenue for these sites, it, it makes little sense. Uh, New Jersey is right next door. Just copy them. It's not that hard. I mean, right. that's all you got to do. Yeah. But they, don't, they don't get it. And even, you know, not just copying... You know, from state to state, but 
site to site. Sugar House has a site in New Jersey. I don't see why the one in Pennsylvania has to be so different. Um, but uh, yeah, and just as far as the uh, the uh, online sports books, certainly no surprise that FanDuel is already number one. But as we've said many times, the September numbers are the ones that will really tell us something, including what kind of dent Foxbet is making since they were part of the August summary here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, too. All right. Our next story takes us to the intersection between the worlds of poker and Baccarat. Uh, Yes, that's right. It's the Phil Ivey versus Borgata case. John attended the latest hearing in this saga on Tuesday in Philadelphia. Not a whole lot of progress was made there, although I'll let John go into the details in a moment. But we haven't talked about this case in a while, and there are a few other recent updates to touch on. Uh, Just in case you're coming in completely dark, uh, poker pro Phil Ivey and a partner, Cheng Yin Sun, took advantage of an almost imperceptible defect in the cards to do something called edge sorting and beat both Borgata and Crockford's in London for millions of dollars. Legal battles ensued. Borgata is trying to get back the money Ivy and Son won, even though Borgata had complete control of the game it lost at, voluntarily accommodating the player's request. Recent developments include Borgata garnishing a low six-figure payday Ivy won at the World Series of Poker this summer, which might just lead to Ivy not playing poker tournaments in America again until this is resolved. And Borgata is also pursuing racketeering charges against Ivy and Son and seeking a refund for $250,000 worth of comps the duo received while at the casino hotel. So that's where things stand. Uh, John, what can you tell us about Tuesday's oral argument session? Uh, yeah, to clarify, Ivy and Son won $10 million over four separate visits uh, in 2012 to uh, Borgata, which is uh, astonishing in so many ways. But as far as this hearing goes that you're asking me about, you know, for me, what a letdown overall. I mean, I've been waiting almost a year for this hearing to occur, and I've waited through many thousands of pages of filings literally over the past five years in this case. Uh, it's a great case. Um, I knew this wasn't going to be judgment day, but maybe we get a good sense of which way the wind was blowing with the judges. and. After sitting through more than two hours of arguments and three other unrelated cases, uh, we finally got to, uh, well, I'll call it the main event. Um, And what I learned most is just how reluctant this three-judge panel is to have to rule on this case at all. Um, You know, the drinking game word would have been remand um, as in exploring how to bounce this case back to U.S. District Court or to somehow hope the New Jersey Supreme Court wants it. Um, You know, this is after both the New Jersey Casino Control Commission and the Division of Gaming Enforcement. Uh, Earlier this month, they declined to bail out the – judges panel by explaining if Ivy's and son's conduct did it violate the casino control act that would really you know help help their decision making and they said well you know we can't do it um for various reasons uh, probably literally legally accurate but it didn't uh bring any clarity uh you know it's a hot potato eric uh, mm-hmm. even the new jersey judge and a london judge you know uh they each struggled to come up with an answer while ultimately siding with the casinos in each case um it's not a crime uh, it's not even fraud, um, but neither judge wanted to let Ivy and Son quite get away with it either. You know, the New Jersey judge claimed that Ivy and Son marked the cards without ever touching them, which is kind of weird. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I, I'd hope the third circuit judges would hone in that court point, you know, and, and really go out. You know, how could you possibly mark a card you don't touch? Um, but they were too busy just trying to wriggle free. Uh, especially Judge Marjorie Rendell, uh, ex-wife of uh, former Pennsylvania Governor Ed Rendell, who brought casinos to Pennsylvania, which led to Atlantic City collapsing, which led to New Jersey trying to get sports betting, which led to Rendell siding with the leagues, which led to the U.S. Supreme Court overturning Rendell, and we have sports betting. But um, <laughs> in this case, Rendell you know, flat out said uh, Tuesday that New Jersey regulators should have decided this uh, 
this case, and, and instead it's dumped in, in our lap. She's not happy. Right. So so you mentioned in your piece on NJOnlineGambling.com and also just now the, the possibility of this case making its way to the New Jersey State Supreme Court. A- any sense of whether that's actually a likelihood here? I, I think the most likely is some sort of a remand uh, to U.S. District Court judge because um, – some of the things they're most interested in in understanding, and one of them is uh, what did Borgata understand about the agreement? Did they did they know that edge sorting could be there? Borgata's uh, attorney claimed that Borgata had never heard of edge sorting uh, at the time of this event, which is remarkable. Right. Um, and then you know, was it is there a written agreement? What, what was it in there? Was it clear that you know? Ivy couldn't do that. These judges feel like that was never addressed at the lower court. And I have a feeling they want to get more clarity and or, you know, pray that these two sides reach an agreement, which a settlement, which I don't think is ever going to happen. Right. Uh, All right. I took one drink during that because you said remand. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, What one uh, somewhat new detail just worth adding on the garnishing of wages front. Um, I had missed this story when it first broke. uh, Just noticed it as we were prepping for the podcast. But uh, about a week ago, two high stakes poker pros, uh, Dan Cates, uh, better known to uh, many as Jungle Man uh, and Ilya Trincher, they filed a legal objection to the garnishment since apparently most of the money Ivy won wasn't Ivy's. It was theirs since they backed him in the event uh, and backing in Nevada is perfectly legal. So uh, a, a complicated situation gets uh, that much more complicated, apparently. Yeah, yeah. There are other uh, kind of uh, cross filings in that. that that's going to be pretty messy. Yeah. All right. Well, we finished with some NFL betting news, uh, but unlike last week's $600,000 win on points bet, this time we're looking ahead to games and bets that haven't been decided yet. Uh, it's a historic week for NFL lines, as for the first time since replacement players were on the field in 1987, two games in the same week feature spreads greater than three touchdowns. The 2-0 and Patriots have been as high as a 24-point favorite over the 0-2 Jets and their third-string quarterback in Foxborough, although the number came back down to 22.5 when last we checked. And the 2-0 and Cowboys are 21.5-point favorites at home against the Miami Dolphins, who've been outscored 102-10 to through their first two games. Uh, <laughs> since uh, 1966, according to ESPN's David Payne Purdom, favorites of 21 points or more are 35-0 and 0 straight up, but only 11-22-2 against the spread. Uh, there's a lot of parity in the NFL, but it's clear that between the very top and the very bottom, there's an enormous gap. So is this a problem, John? Is tanking becoming as big an issue in the NFL as it is in the NBA? And is this bad for betters and sportsbooks having games this lopsided on paper? Uh, you know, my old school self says it's a problem for the sport, not just betters. Um, frankly, I hated the 76 ers multi-year process. It's just, you <laughs> know, it annoys me even more that it's kind of working uh, <laughs> yeah. overall for five years or whatever. I mean, you know, life's too short. Um, but for reasons that escaped me, fans there kept buying season tickets anyway, which is astonishing. And, you know, if you can pull something like that and still bring in a nice amount of revenue 
you know, I, it's a business wise. It makes sense. But, you know, it's weird for betters because for decades, almost every NFL game had a point spread that was close enough to avoid those cheap backdoor covers that you see in September college football games. Like I got with Alabama covering over Duke, for instance, <laughs> on 32 points. Right. Um, and it's not, it doesn't feel like the NFL. Um, I think it's going to be difficult to bet on these favorites, though, you know, as your stat shows. And as casual bettors, well, they'll give up any amount of points for this great team against a terrible team. But, you know, maybe our upcoming guest uh, who is much more deeply immersed in all this than we are uh, can offer more insight. Yeah, he'll certainly have uh, something to say. We plan to ask him uh, about it. But, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly see a line like this and I tend to stay away. Uh, and, and same with the money lines, uh, you know. Uh, for the mm. most part, I, I do have an exception of sorts coming up when we get to the bankroll segment. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it can't be great for the books to have mismatches this big. Uh, and it's going to be really bad for those Rhode Island books if the Patriots keep covering. Um, but yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't say that tanking is nearing NBA levels yet. Uh, the Dolphins management is clearly tanking. You know, they yeah. they, they want to bottom out and secure the number pick, number one pick. They are doing the Sixers process for sure. Um, but one player alone doesn't make the same difference in the NFL as it does in the NBA. So I don't see tanking becoming a real epidemic in the NFL. And there's actually a ton of parody in the league. As I mentioned, when I introduced the the topic, I mean, you know, clearly the Pats and chiefs look a level above everyone else right now, although that can change, but all the other contenders are pretty close. I was looking at the NFC, you know, you have the Rams are certainly looking good, uh, but between them the Packers, the Vikings, the Bears, the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Saints when Drew Brees gets back, the Falcons, the Seahawks, the 49ers. I feel like on any given Sunday, any of those teams can beat any of those teams. So that, you know, that's 10 NFC teams I named that I think can get to the playoffs and make a run. You know, if you look besides those two giant spreads this week, only two other spreads are above a touchdown. So it feels less like a major issue and more just a, a weird case of two disastrous teams being on the road against elite teams this week. Uh, yeah, the only thing I would add, though, is that the weird part about the process for the 76ers was, you know, in the NBA, if you're the worst team, you're, you are nowhere near guaranteed the first pick. You True. know, you, you might well get the third or fourth pick and there might only be a two player draft. And so the NFL, though, I mean, you know, look at two of the Alabama quarterback. I mean, if you go 0 16, probably no one else does. And you probably are guaranteed that guy. That's pretty alluring. And I, I think the NFL in the next five years, you know, may have to juggle their, you know, top five uh draft picks a little bit just to ensure that look if you go on 16 you're not guaranteed the number one pick so you might as well win a couple of games yeah that's that would be interesting to see if they consider something like that because you're absolutely right in the nba you have to be bad and a little bit lucky and i I remember at one point uh, as a sixers fan lamenting that they weren't getting lucky uh that because uh you know they were bottoming out and yet there was Minnesota with Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins, and the Sixers didn't have much to show for it yet, except to Joel Embiid, who hadn't started playing yet. Uh, and then, you know, of course, it turns around, and uh, Andrew Wiggins isn't looking so hot, and uh, the Sixers got Ben Simmons, and Embiid got got relatively healthy. So, um, you know, I, I'm not quite sure what my uh, what the point I was trying to make there was, other than uh, that you do need to get lucky with the lottery in the NBA, as you said, and there's there's nothing like that in football. So they may you're you're right. They may want to try something uh, to discourage uh, being as bad as you can possibly be. Yeah, I hope so. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. Hello. 
A few years ago in Las Vegas at an MGM Grand Radio Row for a pay-per-view boxing event, I met Matt Peralt, and I don't think either one of us realized at the time that the other was part of the gambling media, but indeed, it turns out Matt covers sports gambling and is the host of SB Nation Radio's Pushing the Odds, which he pilots for three hours every day from the Palms Casino Resort. He's also the host of the new podcast Covering the Number, which drops on Tuesday mornings and is available wherever fine podcasts are found. And now he joins us on our podcast because apparently he hasn't spent enough time this week <laughs> sports and gambling. Matt, welcome to Gamble On. Thank you for the invite. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm in my studio right now. You guys want to see the board behind me. So it's, it's a fun place to be in the fall for sure to do a radio show out of a sports book. Absolutely. Um, so uh, you, you're a Patriots fan, but we're letting you come on the podcast anyway. Um, somehow, here they are again as the favorite to win the Super Bowl. And there are even props out there on a 16-0 and season, uh, which is really like a 12-0 and season since beating the Dolphins and Jets doesn't count, but I digress. Uh, anyway, what odds on them going 16-0 and would make it worth betting in your eyes. And do you see any value in betting on them to win the Super Bowl at the current odds of about plus 340? I do like them to win the Super Bowl. I think that there's definitely value in, in that play right now, given the fact that this team, if Antonio Brown stays eligible, which is a very big if, this team's got so many options on offense that, it, you know, going into the year, the reason why I think the Chiefs got so much love and people came back on the Rams and whatnot was because of the fact that this team was replacing Rob Gronkowski. And as a Patriot fan, I was saying, okay, you know, this team's going to run the football and play defense. That was, that was the thought process going into, um, you know, this, this situation. And a lot of us were looking at it going, okay, here, is the, here are the Patriots with an opportunity to go back to the previous dynasty, the 01, 03, 04 team, run the ball, play defense. And then the Antonio Brown thing happens. Josh Gordon gets cleared. And this team all of a sudden has, yeah, they got offensive line problems, but they've got an offense that now can score literally on anybody and can rival the Chiefs when they're healthy in terms of what we'll see from a production standpoint. So I love the Patriots right now because of their defense and how talented they are defensively. Two defensive scores against the Dolphins last week. They're going to play I mean, three points to the Steelers. They're going to be one of the best defenses in the league. And then when you've got that offense with Antonio Brown, you know, Julian Edelman, and Josh Gordon. Now, two of those guys are very much question marks as to whether or not they're going to end the year. But if they're there, the Patriots have three running backs and Tom Brady, the best quarterback of all time. So I love that value. I don't like the 16-0 value bet. And here's why. Because if you watch the HBO special that, that happened with uh, Belichick and Nick Saban, Saban asked him about going undefeated. And Belichick admitted, in 07, we should have dropped a game. And I think that there's a stretch after the Patriots bye week. They play four very difficult opponents. I think they drop at least one of those games, and I think they're totally comfortable doing that. 14-2 and two in the number one seed, that's all they really are after. So I don't think 16-0 is going to happen. It would be fun to see it if they chase it, but I don't think it's a priority or even a need for this team when it comes to this season. Right. All right. And, and what about the, the reverse bet that, that's out there on Miami, uh, the 0-16, the which I'm seeing it at about plus 400? Do you, do you see any value in that one? I do, but I think that they're going to win a game. I mean, I think at some point they'll catch somebody. They'll figure this out at, you know, late in the game, late in the year, maybe week 15, 16, 17. I, I think there's a chance they go 0-16, but there's going to be so much pressure on this team if they are, you know, I, I, I'll say this. I think they wind up going three or four against the spread. So like four and 12 against the spread or three and 13 against the spread. They're going to cover a couple of these lines. Now, they might not win a game. But I would be careful on just totally fading them blind throughout the whole year, just given the fact that I think this team, it's NFL football. 
they're going to want to play for pride. And Miami's got ticket holders as well. And these are professional athletes, and they may all the good ones might be gone off the Dolphins, <laughs> but they're still pros making money, and they're still at some Sunday going to have a game plan good enough to beat somebody in the league. Uh, yeah, Matt, you know, Eric and I have been talking about this, actually. Um, you know, I felt like the uh, Cleveland Browns going 1-31 over two seasons, um, that team wanted to win games. They tried to win games. They were in a lot of close games. They had a terrible coach, and they didn't get maybe too many breaks. I think management wanted to win games, for sure. Um, I think this Dolphins team this year is the first team I can ever remember in 40 years. I think management definitely does not want to win maybe any games, or certainly they want the number one pick more than any team ever has. And I, I think the Jets are in a unique situation. They thought they might have a good team. They're 0-2. Their quarterback, not only is hurt, got mononucleosis. There's a risk to his spleen. I think if they go 0-6, I cannot blame management if they say, you know what, this guy, we don't want to risk this guy's life, literally. And also, let's get a great pick. Uh, is the NFL changing or might be changing to the sort of NBA and even MLB model of uh, losing, you know, tanking really. And, and what does that mean to a better? Can you, is there yeah. anywhere to exploit with that? You must be listening to my sports show. This is what I do every day. This, <laughs> this has been my, my, my favorite topic for the last, mm. really, like I would say week and a half. Mm. Uh, I've been talking to people at CG Sportsbooks, guys at U.S. Bookmaking, people that I talk to on a daily basis, and they're irate right now at the NFL. This is a, this is a league that has the biggest handle. They take the biggest bets. They don't know what to do right now because you can't take there's, – there's not enough teams in the league to pull the Dolphins off the board and say we're just not taking bets on the Dolphins. So like this week, the Cowboys are a public team. Everybody who's a Cowboy fan loves coming in with both fists. If you're in New Mexico, they see a ton of, of West Texas money coming over to play on the Dolphins every week. And the line is 21 and a half, 22, 23, depending on where it's going to go off. There is just nothing to do right now for a bookmaker except to take your medicine and hope at some point that the Dolphins figure it out and that the commissioner comes in and says, guys, look, you can't just throw the whole year away. This is bad for us because we're trying to get an integrity fee. This is why the integrity <laughs> fee stuff was so stupid because <laughs> there is no integrity in the NFL if a team is going to lay down like this. And I think you're totally right about the Dolphins. That's why Chris Greer, the GM, two days ago had a press conference and had to come out and tell everybody that, hey, look, look, we're going to be aggressive in 2020. So, like, don't watch today. We're coming with a big with $120 million, three first-round picks, and two second-round picks next offseason. Well, that doesn't do anything for the bookmakers right now who have to deal with the, with the Jets and the Patriots and the Dolphins and the Cowboys. So it's a really big problem for the books. It's an opportunity for the betters, but it is pro football, and that's the one thing that the gamblers have to be careful of because the bookmakers are telling me at some point, this is going to go in our favor simply because we're going to put lines up that will be so big that we have to find the professional players number with the Patriots. It looks like 23 and a half is that number this week where once any book gets to 23 and a half, they're seeing pro bets. And with the Cowboys, it looks like 22, 23, somewhere in that number. Once it goes to that, then the pros are coming in pretty heavy on that number, but it is a problem for the league and a problem for the sports books right now in terms of how do they set a number for a team that I think you're right, would rather lose than win. Yeah. So uh, you obviously uh, you're in Vegas and you have access to all these bookmakers, uh, like you were saying, uh, one thing you don't have access to, though, is uh, these sports books that are opening up back east. Um, you've been out there in Vegas for a while. And I'm curious, now that legal betting is spreading uh, back east and a lot of these online sports books are going nuts with odds boosts and, and deposit bonuses to attract customers, is there any envy whatsoever, any oh. annoyance that they're making the game easier to beat in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, et cetera, <laughs> than it is in Nevada? 
So my shirt is green, and, and I don't know if you can see it, but like this is the color of my body, color of my mind, color, color of my soul when it comes to New Jersey. <laughs> I am so green with envy, it's not even funny. If you live in Pennsylvania, if you live in New Jersey, just know that we used to call ourselves the sports gambling capital of the world. It is not the case anymore. Nevada is in the dark ages when it comes to this. The fact that we don't have mobile signups I've been living in Vegas now for nearly five years. I have five apps on my phone. It took me five years to accumulate those five apps. I went to New Jersey for the DraftKings Sports Gambling National Championship back in January. I loaded three apps, downloaded them, and made wagers in 15 minutes. In 15 (laughs) minutes, I had three apps. In five years, I have five. So that's a problem, okay? And when you look at the sign-up bonuses and you look at what's available right now and how customer acquisition is the number one thing, Books are willing to take a little bit of a loss in year one, year two, even maybe year three in order to build up a client-based customer base that makes them competitive. And they're offering such unique things. Points bets is such a unique, cool thing. If you know how to bet with points bets, you could really be profitable. It's dangerous, mind you. Go the other way on you as well. But if you know what you're doing, I love the points met point best model. I think it's really interesting to see some of the, uh, they call it parlay insurance, where if you have a four leg parlay and three hit, they're going to pay you up to a hundred dollars. It's, it's incredible what New Jersey has, you know, in these new Indiana might be one of them as well as these new States come on board and what they're doing with their, uh, with their laws and how they're going to open this up, open this world up. I mean, I lived in Iowa for a couple of years, so I'm not surprised the handle is where it is with Iowa and how popular it is already out of the gate after a month in the state of Iowa. But it's, yeah, I mean, Vegas, Nevada needs to wake up real quick. And, and, and until California legalizes, I don't think anything changes unless California legalizes. If they do, then I think Nevada will be active to change their laws. But until then, they're just going to keep on going. And it's hard to argue. They're going to do a $5 billion handle this year. So it's difficult to say they're doing it wrong. But yeah, I, I wish I was in New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great point about California, though, that really the, whatever's going on on the East Coast doesn't really put much heat on Vegas. But yeah. if California comes on board and starts uh, offering those kind of those kind of deals and promos and boosts, uh, then then Vegas has to adjust. Yeah, the biggest thing right now here here in Nevada is a $100 deposit match bonus. That's the biggest thing on the market, which is laughable. I mean, there's $500 free wagers right now in New Jersey. Just go ahead. <laughs> there's free money. Literally, you sign up, they'll give you 25 bucks just for signing up. I mean, there's nothing like that here in Nevada. Yeah, well, Matt, I, I actually live in New Jersey, and I'm in New Jersey right now, not to make you jealous, but uh, yeah, life is good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, what do you guys are up to? 18 apps now, whatever you're up to? I mean, it's uh, close to that, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's incredible the number of applications that are available right now for gamblers and how tough it is to break through. And you know, you know, I'm in the media. It's so wild to hear from my media friend on the East Coast the types of advertising rates that are being bought for, for these sports books and they're trying to get a hold of the, of the 18 to 45-year-old male audience. I mean, books are already looking ahead saying, okay, how do we make ourselves attractive to somebody who's going to be come 21 in the next couple of years, what book are they going to use? It sounds a lot like beer companies, like you didn't want to use your, you didn't want to drink your dad's beer. Well, don't use your dad's application. <laughs> We're the cool young hip ad app. No, use us. I, it's, it's really wild to watch and New Jersey should be commended because they really did it right. I mean, it's been a year in and look at the handle, look at the activity. And there's people here in Nevada who will tell you on the counter side of it, that's, gonna, that's not going to happen work long-term. That's a short-term business philosophy. You can't always do this. But who cares? From a player perspective, it doesn't matter if it's only a short-term thing. Enjoy it while it's available. Yep. 
Yeah, so Matt, looking looking ahead, uh, Dolph, uh, free money that we New Jerseyans can have from these contests. Um, <laughs> we'll look at um, the, the NHL season. They're already getting into the preseason. NBA will be around before we know it. College basketball, you know, pretty much following that. So later in the year, with this extra free money they have, um, uh, for a casual better, I wonder if you would recommend um, is is any of those three sports easier to uh, analyze than the other? Um, are any of them better for futures or for uh, game betting or for in-game or, you know, is there anything there that uh, a, a casual fan can uh, kind of exploit a little bit? Personally, I think I always say college football and college basketball are the easiest if you know what you're looking at, because so oftentimes the average gambler is going to be looking at the top 25. The way you make money in college football and college basketball is getting outside of the big name guys. Get out, get away from your marquee, your Dukes and Carolinas in basketball, your Michigans, your Ohio States, your Alabamas and Clemsons in college football, and kind of do, kind of look at the other, the you know power five schools that are at the bottom. And oftentimes the bookmakers get caught with lines that are just lazy. They're just not spending that much time because the handle's not going to be that large. So I often say, look at you know take the Baylor and Rice game for this coming weekend. Rice just got killed by Texas. The line's 26. The line should be 46. Baylor's going to absolutely annihilate Rice this weekend, but because it's involving Rice and Baylor, the handle's not going to be that big, and they're not really looking at it, you know, and not diving deep into that game. Well, that's a game I'm going to exploit this weekend, and I'm all over Baylor going heady up against Rice. So I, I think it's interesting to take a look at some of the games in Power 5 schools that have enough data that you can research and feel good about laying a, laying a big number, but maybe the books aren't going to be as accurate with their lines as they'll be. And they'll be very sharp with Alabama and very sharp with Clemson, but maybe not with games involving teams like Rice. All right. Fantastic stuff. Well, it has been great talking to you, Matt. Uh, listeners, you can follow Matt on Twitter at Sports Talk Matt or follow his radio show's feed at Pushing the Odds. Uh, Matt, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Guys, anytime you want me, thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Two men, $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. The Fast Five is coming up in about five. But first, let's talk about our betting bankroll. Collectively, we had a rough week uh, going one and three with our bets. Although I personally had a positive week, so <laughs> not naming any names, but somebody, some host of this podcast who isn't me, is dragging us down. Uh, I kid, of course. Uh, but John did have a rough week with his two college football bets. He lost $100 trying for a long shot with the Middle Tennessee money line, and he dropped $110 on the Northern Illinois side of the point spread against Nebraska. Uh, I contributed to our troubles by losing $50 on my Tyson Fury mid-rounds knockout bet, uh, as it turned out to be a surprisingly competitive and gory fight that went the distance. Uh, but the Seahawks money line bailed us out to an extent. Uh, we bet $100 to win 180 there, getting a little help from the Ben Roethlisberger elbow injury. Uh, added up, and we lost $80 this week, putting us exactly $88 in the hole, which I believe means our bankroll can now time travel. Uh, that's that's a reference that everyone from my generation will get. I'm hoping John's generation gets it too. Uh, do, do, do you get it, John? Uh, I don't get it, no. <laughs> Back to the future, 88 miles per hour. Come on. We truly are different generations. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we have uh, $3,352 on hold in futures bets, uh, meaning we have $6,560 available to bet with this week. And I'm up first. And let's start with a Thursday night football bet. 
I looked mm-hmm. at the player props for the Tennessee Jacksonville game and wide receiver DJ Chark uh, is clearly a favorite target in this Jacksonville offense. He exploded for 146 yards and a touchdown in week one, although that was only on four targets. So it might've seemed like an anomaly, but then he came back in week two and got nine targets catching seven balls for 55 yards and another touchdown against a pretty solid Houston defense. His over under for receiving yards uh, in the Thursday night game is just 45 and a half. I think that's at least about five, maybe 10 yards too low. He could certainly top that with one catch. Uh, this is a fun one to root for. Let's risk $110 to win 100 that DJ Chark gets 46 or more receiving yards tonight. All right. Uh, first, I just want to say uh, my college football picks were terrible mm-hmm. last week, and I will avoid directional schools in the future. But, um, <laughs> Good plan. Uh, there's a great college football slate this weekend, by the way, though. And uh, I'm going to start with Florida minus 14 against Tennessee, 110 to win 100. Um, you know, it's tough to lose your starting quarterback for the season, as Florida has. But, you know, unlike the NFL, top college programs, you know, they have another one or two guys around to break glass in case of an emergency who actually can run the – the offense pretty well. Uh, this game is mainly about Florida's defense anyway. Um, smart players here will shop around uh, looking for less than minus 14, but uh, I'm in 110 for 100 at minus 14. All right. I, I hate to do it, John, but I'm breaking the parlay rule here. When uh-huh. I that. <laughs> if it goes poorly, I'll reinstate the rule uh, until okay. until the next time I want to break it. Uh, <laughs> but here's what I have. Uh, the Patriots will beat the Jets. The Cowboys will beat the Dolphins. The Vikings will almost certainly beat the Raiders at home. They're the third biggest favorite of the week. Uh, and I feel fairly confident that the Rams will beat the Browns in Cleveland. Uh, that last one is obviously a little risky, uh, but look, there are no sure things in sports betting. I do like the Rams. For all four of those favorites to win, it pays plus 123. Up uh, from when I looked at it yesterday at plus 121, now it's a healthy plus 123. Um, if I just bet the Vikings and Rams, uh, a fairly normal two-team money line parlay, it would pay plus 106. So why not add $17 to it with the Pats and Cowboys? A famous last words, I know. Now now Miami's going to go in and upset Dallas. But um, seriously, it's hard to see that happening. I'm risking 100 to win 123 on this four-team money line parlay despite all the sighing you were doing as I explained it. Yeah, I suspect the Raiders are going to make you unhappy. But um, anyway, back to me. Uh, Wisconsin, <laughs> has pitched, yeah, Wisconsin has pitched two shutouts so far against hapless opponents. And I'm going to go under 44 and a half points at 110 to win 100 against Michigan, um, which is not an elite offense. Uh, the Badgers will run like the wind and get stuck uh, in the red zone and kick some field goals. And uh, this is going to be a pretty boring game, I hope. All right. Uh, so now we close things out with the Fast Five, our head-to-head mini super contest where I gained a little ground on John in week two after his perfect week one. Uh, we split our two competing picks. Uh, I had Dallas, John had Washington, he had Green Bay, I had Minnesota. We were both right about the Bills game. And then I got Cardinals and Seahawks. John won with the Rams but lost with the Bengals. So I went 4-1 and one to raise my record to a respectable 6-4. and four. John went 3-2, and two, bringing his record to 8-2 and two overall. And, John, you're up first this week. Yeah, I mean, Eric, first of all, anyone who doesn't love a 3-2 and two week is uh, too cocky. 3-2 and two is great. Your 4-1 yep. and one is even better. My 5-1 in week one was Nirvana. And our 70% combined success rate is worth savoring because that's not going to last. But um, <laughs> I'm going to start with the Lions plus six against your wounded Eagles. Um, each injury hurts them, and they have many. Uh, but the loss of Deshaun Jackson changes the entire way a defense approaches the Eagles. Um, you saw in that Redskins game, the Redskins were ahead. And without Deshaun Jackson, there's no way they could have even won that game. So um, I think this is going to be a close one. So plus six sounds good to me. Um, 
Give me the Jets plus 22 and a half points versus the Patriots. Um, Jets defense, they have some playmakers. And, you know, all I need is a clutch turnover, special teams play, and maybe a backdoor TD late to cover there. You know, Belichick is not that into these games so much. He's, he gets bored easily, uh, which is nice. Who, does Brady play the whole game? I guess so. I don't know. So also a Buccaneers minus six and a half points against the Giants. They've already given me two wins already this season by picking against them. You know, I'm agnostic on Daniel Jones, um, but this is not the defense he wants to face his debut. You know, blitz is going to be the word of the day. Um, He's going to surprise some people perhaps uh, this year, but not uh, on Sunday. So uh, also Steelers give me six and a half points against the mediocre 49ers. Um, One team knows how to win. The other team mostly doesn't. Um, I like Mike Tomlin back against the wall with no Big Ben. Uh, This is a good money line play here, too, I think. And finally, the Redskins plus four at home on Monday night against the Met Bears. You know, 0-2 teams have a good record against the spread with the season on the line in in recent years. Um, The Skins will quit on lame duck coach John Gruden this season, and that'll be worth slamming. But not quite yet. So I got four dogs. Interesting. Uh, we have none of the same games. Not just uh, not, We're not competing against each other. We're not with each other. Uh, I, I have uh, five completely different games. Although I will say, I like your side of the Lions-Eagles. I just didn't want to pick against the Eagles. <laughs> but I do, I, with, with all the receivers they have out, the Lions are the right side of that, uh, that spread, probably. Um, and I... If Eli Manning had been in there, I would have comfortably gone with the Bucks. But with Daniel Jones, I'm just not quite sure. So I stayed away. So, um, yeah, this was a tough week, I thought. I was uh, another game that uh, that you didn't pick either. I was uh, all set to take the Cardinals, uh, who I bet in real life on the money line when they were plus 134 underdogs on Monday. But now with uh, Cam Newton probably out, they've become three-point favorites. So I'm, I'm staying away from that one. Um, so instead, here are my five picks. Uh, I'll start with the Titans tonight. They're one and a half point favorites in Jacksonville. Um, I know I have the season long bet on the Jags to go over eight wins, and that has looked bad since the moment Nick Foles went down. Um, although so far they're 0 and 2 in two games they were always supposed to lose. But uh, anyway, I'm, I'm kind of picking against that bet here, but you have to be flexible. And and, and uh, the Jags aren't much on offense with Gardner Minshew. Jalen Ramsey is trying to force a trade. Tennessee is just a solid all around team. So give me the Titans on the road. Uh, next, I'll take the Chiefs minus six and a half over over the Ravens, Uh, even though I have my bet on Baltimore to win their division, I expect we'll see them overmatched here. If it was seven and a half, I'd probably stay away. But at six and a half, I'm comfortable backing Mahomes and the Chiefs and gulp Andy Reid. Another AFC South one and a half point favorite. I'll take the Colts over the Falcons. Uh, The Colts without Andrew Luck are proving to still be a solid team. The Falcons are not as good on the road as they are at home. This isn't a pick I make with a ton of conviction, but... Atlanta just isn't as good as the Eagles slew of early game injuries made them look. I think Indy is the slightly better team and they have home field. Um, I'll take the Seahawks giving four against the Saints. Uh, Nobody liked what they saw out of Teddy Bridgewater last week. Seattle's always tough at home. I think this number is just a tiny bit low, so I'll take Seattle. And lastly, Rams minus three at Cleveland. I'm not convinced that the Browns are all that good just because they improved to one and one with a dominant win over the Jets without Sam Darnold and then without Trevor Simeon. Uh, As I said last week, it's a little tricky taking the Rams giving points because they tend to eke wins out. But three points here. I can live with that. So there we have uh, five entirely separate games uh, from the five that you picked. 
And that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. And thanks again to our guest, Matt Peralt. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. And with that, John, please do your thing and take us out. Yeah, you know, Eric, we talk about gambling uh, on this podcast as, as wagering on sporting events, obviously, you know, but really much of life is a gamble. Uh, I was reminded of this last weekend at a wedding in California wine country. Um, you know, many weddings, they play that song Shout, and there's always the older guy whose spirit is willing, but his flesh is weak. And <laughs> so when it comes to that last hands-free twist up, he winds up pretty much in a face plant. Yeah, um, I always assume that guy must be drunk, but um, it turns out that it's as likely to be severe osteoarthritis as inebriation. <laughs> yeah. um, so for me, it was a good lesson in empathy and uh, a reminder that uh, all life is a gamble. Uh, and with that, until next time, gamble on.